Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Laura, you just told me how to pronounce your last name. Can you tell me one more time? Oh, sure. It's difficult. It's Carranza. It looks Carranza. like Carranza. Okay, Carranza. Laura yeah. Carranza. <laughs> yeah. YouTube influencer. You wrote a book, which I need to get the book. I need to order it. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple. Um, the first one's called Ugly Love, A Survivor's Story of Narcissistic Abuse. And the second one um, is The New Truth About Dating. Oh, my gosh. So. Well, both of those are the topics I want to talk to you about. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> so, well, good. Okay. Let's let's start with kind of a little bit of a, letting my listeners know your story, kind of like a 10,000-foot overview, kind of where you come from, a little bit about your early life. Of course, then, you know, from there all the way to the, where you are right now. <laughs> so you don't want me to go. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, like, where, you know, like, where are you from? What do you do for a living? Yeah, know. You know, your kids and all that. Totally kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I was raised, I was born in Dallas and raised in Arkansas. My father wow. took over a family business. So we moved to Arkansas. Great place to grow up. We literally did not lock our doors at night. Um, We're at in Arkansas because I love Eureka uh, Springs. Okay. Opposite end of the state. Okay. A small town called Warren and, okay. um, you know, uh, pine country, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, very safe. You know, my, I think my graduating class had 110 people in it and I have a younger brother. He's two and a half years younger. Okay. Um, if you hear my dogs, I apologize. They, um, they're asleep until I get on the phone or on a podcast. <laughs> and then they just wake up. Yeah. And then they need attention. So sorry about that. Hey, no problem. They're two doodles. They're a mess. Um, and then I went on an academic scholarship to Southern Methodist University in Dallas. I was a nerd all through high school. Like, we have a lot a to talk about based upon that. <laughs> Such a bookworm nerd. Um, so anyway, and it's, it, I guess it benefited me in the long run. Um, but I hit my, 20s and 30s, and I struggled with some things like one, an eating disorder, um, anxiety, depression, and ended up marrying a guy. First learned that I'd married a narcissist, then my counselor and I started digging, and then I learned I was raised by one. Uh So at the age of 44, I finally learned that that's a pattern of mine, and I have to stop. Yeah. I so have to quit being attracted to and associating with narcissists. Sure. Yeah. And I want to, I want to dig into that in a minute, but I want you to finish that story. But just real quick, when you say raised by one mom or dad, mom, ah, a narcissistic mother, what are those tendencies of a narcissistic mother? So in a healthy relationship, both of the parents meet the needs of the child emotionally, Um, intellectually, physically, spiritually, but in a a relationship or a family with a narcissist at the helm, everyone revolves around the narcissist and the kids are expected to meet the needs of the narcissist. And of course the other spouse Mm. or partner um, to meet the needs of the narcissist, shine the light on the narcissist. Um, I was a caricature of my mom, hairstyle, everything. I was told to believe like her, act like her, um, have no emotions, no feelings, um, put on a happy face. And if you don't comply with their standards, you don't meet their standards, which are ever changing. So it's difficult. It's like those games at the carnival where you try to shoot the yeah, moving you can't win. duck. You can't win. <laughs> They're rigged. They're, so right. This is rigged. Um, 
you you just you keep missing the mark and it's very difficult then the narcissist withholds love mm. so it's typically the same sex child that gets the brunt of the narcissist right interesting okay so then fast forward you get married to uh right out of high school or right out of college or right out um no i um went to college and uh, majored in journalism. I was a TV anchor reporter for about 10 years. Really? And at the Where end at? Of, yeah. Um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to start with. I okay. carried my own camera, which, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast in itself. Yeah. All yeah. the messes we got ourselves into with these reporters who didn't know what they were doing. Um, and then um, went to Waco or, oh my gosh, we actually had photographers. And then they put me on the six and 10 news. So I was on the desk a lot. That was fun. And then I moved to Channel 8, uh, the ABC affiliate in Dallas. Okay. And that was a big leap, a big jump. That's a big market. Dream, a big market. And I did not like it. Really? Didn't like it. The pressure. The bureaucracy of um, it? I mean, was it just? Yes. Red red tape, uh, glass ceiling. It couldn't really, really say what you believed. You had to stick right. to a certain yeah, yeah. narrative or and, whatever. And the it, there was this... Um, a group of people, for lack of a better word, all from a station in Tulsa, and it was all men. So those guys got the best stories. They, you know, my counterpart, who I dearly loved, Brad Hawkins, who's now at Southwest Airlines, he got to go up in the helicopter when I asked over and over, I wanted to go on a bank robbery chase, right? Because yeah. as a reporter, you want the big stories, but it is what it is. And I learned a lot. And after about a year, I'm like, you know, I think I'm tired of this. I've covered executions. I've covered... Um, you know, all kinds of things. So I've, murders, you name it, I was done. Yeah. So um, I got out of the business and got into pharmaceutical sales. Really? Mm -hmm. Pharmaceutical sales is a, is a good moneymaker anyway, at least I've yeah, heard. It's a good, we help pediatric kids with liver disease. I really enjoy it because yeah. I get to meet with the families a lot. Oh, that's what you do now. Yeah, that's what I do now. So oh, I've been okay. doing that 20, 25 years. Okay. So right after I got out of TV, I happened to meet the man who became my husband. And we were together 16 years, married 13, had a great kid named Carson, who's Aww. a varsity basketball player. So there are definitely blessings out of that relationship. Sure. But it's been a hard, my the 44 years until I got out of that were, I mean, you know, you don't want to complain. I'm blessed in so many ways, but I've had a hard life relationally. Yeah. So what made you, so what, what, how can I ask this? What mirror showed in your face to realize that, whoa, I've been with the narcissist. I have a past I should probably dig into. Like what, what happened that made you go, oh, I should probably dig into this and, and learn, learn something from this. Like, was it the divorce? Yeah. Like you went to divorce and that kind of made you go, okay, What's my pattern? You know, when I learned, the first time I learned about it, I was eight months pregnant and I had waddled into a psychiatry office to sell a sleep medication. And one of the physicians there had written a book on narcissism. Oh. And so we were sitting around the break room table talking about the drug and I saw his book out and I said, hey, um, can I, you know, look at that. Can I buy a copy? Will you autograph it for me? He goes, sure. And I said, well, if you could sum up, doctor, the one word about narcissists, what would you say? And he said, run. And I giggled, you know, whatever. That's that's funny. Go out to the car. And I mean, I'm about ready to pop with my son. And I read the first few chapters and I'm like, this is my mom and not only my mother, this is the man I'm with. And I had to put it away Yeah. because I'm like, I, I can't deal with this right now. I'm about ready to be a mom. Right. 
So several years later, the marriage had deteriorated to where I was sleeping upstairs um, in the guest room and then eventually moved to my son's bunk beds with him. So the ex wouldn't yell at me, threaten me, et cetera, because he wouldn't do that in front of our son. And um, my best friend said, I- I'm sending you a book by Lundy Bancroft called Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men. And so I got it one night and I read it all night long. I finished it. It's a big book, great book. Um, and I'm like, I'm not crazy. This yeah. isn't me. You know, I, I'm not the one causing all this trauma and turmoil. And so I started at that point for the next three to five years planning for divorce. I met with divorce attorneys, kind of chewed on that for a year, went back, met again, said, I'm almost ready. I'm going to call you. And then one day it just hit me. I don't have to, I don't have to live like this anymore. Yeah. It was best day of your life when you got out. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, it's wild about divorce. I also went through a divorce back in 2019 Mm -hmm. and you know, you don't realize just how unhappy you are until you're out and free and start kind of coming back to yourself that you're like, Whoa, I had, Mm. I had just made myself believe that I was, was happy. uh, Apparently, you know, it's kind of like when you don't feel well or when you feel good, when you get back in the gym and you're working out and all of a sudden you just realize, man, I didn't realize I was feeling bad. (laughs) And, And now that I'm feeling so good, I'm very aware that I was feeling like shit. Um, yes. and I think it's kind of the same thing. And, and it's, a, and, and in my situation, it's not necessarily because, uh, I was with a narcissist, uh, you know, I, it's hard to diagnose people. I think, and I'm curious what you think about when it comes to narcissism, I think all of us have maybe some narcissistic traits, but to oh, be certainly. clinically a narcissist, uh, I remember, um, I had, I had, uh, well, I don't want to give that scenario out because that I went to the to the therapist and uh, I was like, "Am I a narcissist?" And of course, I'm, you know, I'm crying. And this is no. just right. This is right after my divorce. And I said, "Am I a narcissist?" And and he'd known me for like ten years, and and he started laughing, and I'm like, "I'm crying." He's laughing. I'm thinking, "Why is he laughing?" And he yeah. said, "Timmy, number one, I know you. I've known you for ten years. You're not a narcissist." He goes, "Number two, narcissists would never ask a therapist." Am I a narcissist with right, tears in their wouldn't. eyes? Want because you know I was like, man, am I a narcissist? I just don't know it. Like I need to like work on this to not be. And he said, no, 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 Timmy. He goes, but yeah, we're, he goes, all humans we have selfishness. You know, we're we're egotistical. He goes, those are all things that all of us as humans deal with. Um, so th- that was just a. I didn't think I was a narcissist. You know, I, I didn't think I was. But then my mind starts playing games with me, thinking. Well, does a narcissist ever acknowledge that they're a narcissist? And so I was like, man, I better dig into this. And, and uh, you know, it, it was helpful. It was helpful for me to to really kind of peel away, peel away all the layers, Good. Uh, which is what divorce does. I mean, it you know, it's funny, even in my divorce, which was the the kitchen table, you know, we sat down and we decided and, and we ended it. Um still yet there's lots of grief, lots of yes. heartache, lots of you know, the kids, of course, you know, kids, even though my kids were adults, let's see, my, my daughter was, my son was 18. My daughter was 22, mm-hmm. 21, 22. So, you know, they weren't little. And so they were a little blindsided because I, I used to be religious. 
Uh, I grew up very religious, like in a Bible thumper type religious home. Um, and went off to seminary, graduated seminary, became a pastor and did that for like 30 years. I didn't years. know that about you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm not religious anymore. So, uh, um, where'd you go to se- seminary? I went to two different seminaries, went to central Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, and then went to, okay. uh, Rama, uh, Bible college down in Tulsa. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, so I was like that Bible thumper type. I mean, I was, you know, I gotcha. No, I no drinking, no smoking, no cussing, no rated R movies. Do you feel like you were very judgmental of others? Oh, goodness gracious. I was. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. very judgmental and I was very shame filled, very guilt ridden, you know, because yes. in the group that I was raised in, I mean, there was, you know, no premarital sex, no masturbation, no, yes. you know, and of course, everybody's doing all those things. Right. And so there's just this, you're just constantly in a state of, I'm displeasing. I can't live up to God's standards. You know, right. the, the one thing that Christianity tried to do was, well, well, that's why we have Jesus, you know, and, and, yeah. and that just was like, yeah, but then I'm a piece of shit and I need this savior person. I need his blood to be represented instead of mine. Like, I was just like, this is fucked up. I don't even, this teaching is just fucked up. I didn't, Right. I didn't agree with it. Eventually, it got to the point where I just started unwinding all my religious tapes. And I just got to a point now when people ask me, what are you? I said, well, I'm spiritual. I would say I'm agnostic because I don't know if there's a God. I tend uh-huh. to I tend to lean towards theistic, meaning there's some things out there that seem unexplainable. And if you yeah. add, you know, you add the God element in there and it seems more feasible. Um, right. just to me that's how my brain works but ultimately i don't fucking know i don't i don't know i don't know if there's a god i gotcha yeah i understand i don't think i i I would say i'm i definitely don't believe in the bible god just because i Mm -hmm. studied the bible for 30 years i know the bible really well and i know the shenanigans that are in there (laughs) and i know all the crazy stuff that christians like to ignore like i know all the stuff in the bible and yeah, it's clearly a document written by men, specifically, specifically men. It is. I, I'm in a class right now, and then I know we need to get back to. Um, but I love talking about this. Stuff. No, me too. That's um, a, hey, this is what this podcast is. Yeah. It's open forum. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, it, it was written by men, and even the pastor I'm taking this. It's called Bible University. It's a guy named Dr. Darius Daniels, and most of his church is single. So um, I've joined the online community. It's in Atlanta, New Jersey, but he relates with single people so well, single moms, single dads, whatever. Um, but he talked about the Bible was misogynistic. Oh, and I'm like, very much so. Yeah. Saying this. Good for him. Very, he's very open and very real. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm you're probably more bib- biblically sound than I am, but I understand where you're coming from. Well, it's, I think at the end of the day, what I've come to find out, you know, I have a lot of friends that are still evangelical Christian. And then I lost, I, I lost a lot of my friends too, um, during that process. But that's which, okay because they would probably be shaming and. Oh yeah. They, they definitely think I'm, you know, lost and I've been deceived and, and that's, and that's fine. Um, I, clearly they weren't real friends anyway the ones that were real friends we've we've remained friends we've remained close in fact i just did a podcast uh like one of my last few podcasts is with a good evangelical pastor friend of mine okay i'm gonna have to listen yeah yeah and i I have several of those podcasts on there clearly we're on opposite sides of the you know of the conversation 
but yeah. but it's good and you know and, and he's a good guy very sincere uh very genuine and so he's likable too and right. and because we're friends i didn't it wasn't a debate we just i would talk about you know like for example one of the things that made me turn away from faith uh in that way one of the big pieces actually was in the group that i was in believe that you know jesus is the only way okay fine but what they mean by that and what i even used to teach is that hindus were going to hell buddhists were going to hell muslims were going to hell catholics were probably also going to hell wow um like literally everybody was going to hell that didn't believe like i believed uh-huh. and and that's the that is the evangelical thing and so for example and i talked to my friend about this uh, and he said he also, you know, he's like that, that he struggles with this too. And I was like, well, I'm glad you do because it's pretty fucked up. And that is Ted Bundy is in heaven because he accepted Jesus, you know, before he was executed. And you know who Ted Bundy is, right? Oh, of course okay. I do. I'm, I'm just astonished. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And then Anne Frank, and oh you know, goodness. you know who Anne Frank is. I do. Yeah. So Ted Bundy is in heaven. And Frank is in hell because she was Jewish. She didn't accept Jesus as her savior. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. So I'm now I don't believe that. I'm just saying that's what an evangelical believes. And there's hmm. just no way that if there is a God, and if the, the there's no way that's the way the universe is set up. That no. a piece of shit like Ted Bundy can accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and that guy goes to heaven, and Anne Frank, who is a precious, what, and she's in hell because she didn't accept Jesus? Hell no. I don't want any part of a, a belief system that believes that. I can't. I understand that. I understand that. And I would hope that there's some, you don't want to say screening process, but you would hope that Jesus or God or who's ever looking, sorry about that, looking at, people entering the gates of heaven like looks at authenticity because I don't see Ted Bundy being authentic in his acceptance of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm a woman of faith, but I, I'm a, I agree with you on this. Yeah. Well, I know for me that, that I was definitely even early on while even, even in seminary, just remembering some of the things that they were teaching like that. Right. That I just, I was just, I was like, I can't roll with that. That doesn't even seem, it doesn't seem reasonable. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem just. I agree. It just, and to me, I'm like, if there is a God for sure, uh, she's just, you know, fair and, and gracious and all those things, mm-hmm. right? Very loving. But also the other big problem that I had and what made me walk away, the other big issue was uh, suffering children. It's, it's one thing if I suffer at my own hands, meaning, you know, I'm speeding, I get pulled over, I get a ticket, whatever, that's mild suffering, but I can't be mad at God for that. I did that myself based on my right. free will to speed. But a child that gets brain cancer or a child that is raped every day of its life, mm-hmm. like really, there's a God that's benevolent, all-powerful, all-knowing, could do something, but doesn't do something. 
to for an innocent child i i can't i just i can't <laughs> those are my two big grievances and and what's yeah, wild I understand is that and i think for me that'll be a question i ask you know if and when i i get to heaven you know why why do bad things happen to good people or yeah. children mm-hmm. you know that's something that i don't think any of us can answer yeah i've never heard it i've never earth. heard a, a good answer i've heard I've heard answers. I've heard sermons. I've heard right. series. I've I taught a series on evil and and suffering and, mm-hmm. but even then I was so uncomfortable because I was like, yeah, this still doesn't make sense because I'm not quote unquote again. I don't believe all these things, but let's just say I am a Christian. Let's say I'm believing this. Right. Well, I'm not better than God, but if I was given all the power of the world <laughs> of the universe and could yeah. do anything, I yeah. would definitely save the fucking children. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. Yeah. So I'm putting the dogs up so they don't interrupt us anymore. Oh, that's just fine. So you know. So anyway, but yeah, so I still have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, people of faith. And I, I, you know, I, I didn't have a bad experience in faith. Like I didn't walk away from faith because there was some big bad thing that happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it was just as I read more and as more life as I experienced more and more life, it just became clear to me that, Hey, even in the church, I pastored, I pastored a 300 member church wow. and, and I started it from scratch in my living room and grew it to 300. And then that's when that's I, amazing. yeah, well, thank you. And what I realized was Laura, people in the church and people out of the church are exactly the same. People in my church were, you know, getting divorced, uh, having sick kids, having kids mm-hmm. that died. Mm-hmm. They were, mm-hmm. they had addictions. They went to jail. They got arrested. They, I mean, there was no difference. And so I, as I was, you know, in that world, I remember thinking there's no difference here. Meaning nine 11 killed Christians, non-Christians. It killed Muslims. It killed infants. Horrible. There was a daycare mm-hmm. in the basement of nine 11. Like really? Like yeah. if, if, if Christian, again, I'm harping on this now, just cause these are some of my grievances in my mind. And Neil deGrasse Tyson even said this in his book. And I was like, yeah, that's how I feel. If there was some difference, like God really did bless Christians, then it would be so meaning you mm-hmm. could quantify it. You could go look at that, that group of people. They, they don't, their children don't die. Mm-hmm. They get, you know, they don't lose their jobs. They don't go bankrupt. They don't get divorced. Like clearly there's some kind of something going on there. And then you find, Oh, they're Christian. That's why, but that's not true. <laughs> like that's just, well, not- we're all like, you know, we're, I think the only in the way I believe is the only perfect person to ever walk this earth was Jesus is, is what I believe. And you were talking earlier about everyone has some narcissistic traits and I actually use sweet old Jesus in my uh, analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So say Jesus is at zero on the narcissistic, you know, like algorithm or the spectrum, if you will. Because if you have five of the nine traits of narcissism, you're considered a narcissist or diagnosed as a narcissist, really. If you get in front of a psychiatrist or psychologist and they're like, oh, wow, five of the nine, seven of the nine. Right. By the way, the man I was married to had eight of the nine. Um, <laughs> he was ten of the nine. <laughs> yeah, 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 twenty-five of the nine. Um, that's funny. That makes my day. Um, so about 
you know, 20% of those of people along this spectrum of, of, of people all over the world are emotionally healthy. They have just a couple of traits of narcissism. Right. The rest are struggling with four, three and a half, four and a half, yeah. a, you know, bordering borderline narcissist. So that's how I explain, you know, like I have my narcissistic traits are I like to control. And I feel like if I'm not in control of something that, um, you know, I'm a loser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that I like to stay in shape. I like to look good. Yeah. You know? And so there's like, those are, those are my two. Yeah. And I remember a psychologist that I know his was control and then something else. Yeah. So we were talking about, you know, our traits sure. versus a narcissist. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But like you couldn't do a podcast if you didn't have confidence in a, just a teeny bit of narcissism. You, you know, sure. you would be like, oh, I suck at this. Sure. You know. Oh, yeah. I definitely have a healthy ego. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm but, a little egotistical. You, I want to be on the, to, yeah, on, in, in front, front of the of camera. We're doing in, podcasts in front of the camera, writing a book. Yeah. You know, you're putting yourself out there for others to judge and criticize. Yeah. So. But, and I think yeah. there's the healthy side of that too, because I, I used to. I remember going through different phases of my life where I was trying, I wanted to be humble and contrite and meek, but then there's this other part of me. It's like, yeah, but that's not true to who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning like there's certain things like, no, I want to be out in front of people. I want to speak mm -hmm. my mind. I want to share. I, you know, I started a podcast during, uh, in fact, to be honest, I actually had a podcast way back, way back in man hindsight, man, if I could, uh, you know, if we could all go back in time, how we would capitalize on things. Oh, I wow. actually started a podcast back in like 2005 or 2006. Like before they were big. Yeah. Back before it was, was big. I had a podcast and, but it was, you know, totally a different, that was when I was Christian. So my worldview was so different, but I, I figured yeah. you would like this one to show this to you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. But I'm his favorite. That's funny. <laughs> um, I would love to have something like that to put up in my house. Yeah, I love that. I can't remember. I think a friend bought this for me. Uh, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so absolutely perfect for me. Because I still, you know, one of my favorite tattoos, which I'll, I'll show you later, um, is uh, the portrait of Jesus. And it's very cool. And so people Aww. ask me now, for me now, I... I believe that Jesus existed for sure. I mean, I think he was a yeah. real person of history. I think he was Jewish. I think he was a carpenter. I think he was a revolutionary. I think he taught. I, I think he, you know, was revered and loved or whatever. I, be, I believe and believe he was crucified. Um, outside of that, you know, uh, I have a real uh, academic, more of a critical look at it rather than a, a, um, uh, what do you say? What's that? Then a mystical look at it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Have you I, experienced spiritual abuse? Do you think, you know, from another pastor, from even a congregation or, uh, you know, I was raised in a, in a, I mean, I have a wild story when it goes way back. I mean, my mom was 16 when she had me. So clearly mm -hmm. she lived with her parents. She got married very young. I think she was 17. Um, and then got divorced 
like by the time she was 18 or whatever, and then got remarried. Did she go through a lot of condemnation? Like I'm sure she did from her parents. I would imagine. No, not from her parents. No, they just, okay. they embraced her. That was all good. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she, she, you know, and, and her parents were like, kind of like my parents really. Like I remember them growing up being very, very involved. I mean, she was 16, you know, mm-hmm. so clearly they were very involved. And then it wasn't until I think I was six or seven when my, my dad is technically he adopted me. Uh, but my dad came into my life and, and they're still married to this day and they're, you know, they're still, uh, you know, Christian and, and all that stuff. And, and they've done really well with my, initially they were very concerned, you know, they would cry. They just, you know, they wanted to make sure mm-hmm. I was going to go to heaven so that we could all be reunited and all that stuff that Christians believe. And, and so I sympathize with that or, you know, in other words, I get where they're coming from in, in their sincere, this is what they believe. You know, they believe that their belief about eternity and their belief Mm -hmm. about Jesus is the right belief. Everybody, Mm -hmm. that's what's so interesting about life, you know, and I don't mean this as a slam, but you know, I believe in my, my thinking's right. You believe your thinking's right. Everybody believes their thinking is right. And when it's different, well, you can't all be right. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I don't think my parents have the corner market on truth, nor do I actually believe I have the corner market on truth. And that was part of my journey as I, I remember, I'll never forget this. I remember, you know, I'm in Bible college, I'm studying and all this stuff and I'm having different questions and different things that I'm just really wrestling with that. I, I couldn't reconcile if, with, with, you know, like I already explained. And I remember one time thinking and asking myself, what if I'm wrong? Because, mm-hmm. because at that time in my mind, I believed Hindus were wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, they believe they're right, but I believe they were wrong. I mm-hmm. be- the Mormons were wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. But then I was like, wait, maybe I'm wrong. So it, it that's what kind of started me on a journey of really digging in to what do I believe? And, mm-hmm. and not just what do I believe. What are the beliefs that are out there? I mean, there's been thousands of religions throughout history that we that oh, we know of. Thousands and thousands. Yeah, right. and not only that, there's what thirty five thousand different Christian denominations. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the Baptists, then you got the Pentecostals who think they got this Holy Spirit, and so they're better than everybody else. And then you know, you have all these different. You know, even in the Methodist Church, which you mentioned, yeah, one of my dear friends, yeah. pastors a famous Methodist church. His name is Adam Hamilton. Pastor mm-hmm. Adam Hamilton here in Kansas City, Pastor's Church of the Resurrection. He's a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast many times. And, you know, there's a split going on right now in the Methodist Church. And that yeah, and there sp- was in the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, over the LGBTQ you know? thing. So, yeah, yeah. So, and that, you know, and I was an early adopter. I supported gay marriage way back, which got me in a lot of trouble because that's not, you know, not the evangelicals believe that's sin, you know. And, Yeah. So when I, when I let go and said, okay, it is possible that I'm wrong. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it is possible that I was taught wrong. I I have to be fair, right? If I'm thinking that a Hindu's wrong, well, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. And, uh, yeah, that just kind of opened up the door for just more reading, more studying. And then things just really, to be honest, things just started, you know, I found errors in the Bible, which I had heard about, but I always kind of ignored those things. Sure. And like you said, you know, the misogynistic part, 
the you know the the at least not condemning slavery you know there's right. like there's so many things in there that if if a as, as long as a christian's honest and says yeah there's some squirrely stuff in there that i can't even i don't even know what to do with i respect that i just really yeah. respect that but when they ignore it and say well that's not what jesus really meant he said that but that's not what he really meant it's like well, that's weird because there's other things that he said that you absolutely right. hang your hat on and say, no, that's exactly what it was, you know? But anyway, right. I, I could regale you. I also like talking about this topic just because, yeah. well, I, it resonates with a lot of people. I mean, I get emails from all around the world from people that are like, yeah, you know, I grew up in church and I've really been questioning certain things and I, I still love Jesus, but I just don't know about religion. And I'm like, dude, I get it. Like I get it, you know, because right. I still love what Jesus stood for. Uh, oh, he stood for goodness, absolutely, and love and health. And I'm looking. Oh, here it is. A friend of mine wrote a book about narcissism in the church. He was raised by a narcissistic father, and his name is Michael Coggin. And it's called Ravenous Wolves. He even quoted me at the beginning of the book. He had me read an, an initial manuscript. So that was pretty oh, cool. Oh, cool. But it talks about narcissists in the church, pastors that are narcissistic, because there are like five fields um, in which you find the most narcissists, attorneys, police officers, pastors. Yep. Um, um, and then there's like one or doctors or surgeons, really. Yes. And there's one more I always forget. But anyway, he and I believe that he has stepped down from pastoring is doing something else. Um, anyway, great guy. Great, great read. If you want to read about narcissism in the church. Yes, I would love to. I, I, you're right. There's, there's but nobody um, talks about it. Nobody right. understands it. Um, they many times they don't want to understand it. Just like they, many churches don't understand divorce. Um, they don't support those who go through a divorce. Yeah. That's where I can get on my soapbox. And well, dear Lord, yeah. look at all. I mean, look at all the scandals. I mean, I don't know if you follow like oh, I did. all the like Hillsong. Hill oh, my yeah. Lord. And I, you know, it's funny as I ran in those circles. Like now, mm -hmm. Carl Lentz, I, I, I knew him and knew of him and knew friend. I'd had friends that were friends of his. Uh, but I, I, you know, Hillsong, yeah, I just, I was in that circle ish. Mm -hmm. And, you're exactly right. There's a ton of narcissists mm -hmm. as senior pastors. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm I, actually, I was Googling while you were saying that I was Googling top professions for narcissists. Cause I was just curious what those, uh, jobs were. Cause I've heard of that where it was. What's, what's the one that I missed? I can't always um, forget. Let's see, it's business leaders, of course, CEOs, um, yeah, I forgot that the C-suites, yeah, huge, the, huge for narcissists. Yes, uh, lawyers, uh, surgeons, mm -hmm. uh, pilots, athletes, uh, yep, politicians, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, politicians. Interesting, bodybuilders. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and pastors. <laughs> yeah. Well, they yeah. say it says the priesthood, entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, it says entrepreneurs, which I'm an entrepreneur, former pastor. I was athletic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, you're not a narcissist. No, though. I know. I know I'm not. I I know. You know, you I wouldn't want to help people if you were a narcissist because right. they're high control, low empathy, or zero empathy. You know, if zero you take empathy. away the empathy completely, that makes a sociopath. Absolutely, that's the scary one. 
mm-hmm. is is that so okay uh so you get divorced so what one thing i really wanted to talk to you about because i'm um i have a web uh or website i have a facebook page that i've got like i don't know eight thousand singles on it um yeah. and we you know post different questions i do different videos i talk about you know just all the stuff to kind of try to help people that are out in the single world like how to do a bio What's the name of your page uh kc the mm-hmm. initials kc uh-huh. singles mi- okay. mixer and okay. then uh i think i have one it's called 40 over is okay. the is the write that down so i have i have like five pages uh really because i've tried uh, tried to categorize different yeah uh, so yeah it's called kc singles mixer over 40 okay and yeah it's you know it's i think that particular page only has maybe 2500 people on it um but yeah you know i like to the the one thing about i think and i see this in you too i i can't be quiet meaning I'm compelled to share my thoughts and my ideas and not because I think my ideas are better than anybody else, but I, I do think that I have a perspective mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think my perspective is worthy to share. And and honestly, I believe that about everybody, everybody has a perspective and yeah. you just have to, to, yeah. And I've always just had a desire to share my perspective. Um, and and I've I've always thought if you can when I wrote that first book that was a bestseller, I was like if this helps one person, then I've done what I need to do. hundred percent. Yeah. And then it just went crazy, you know. That's awesome. The first which so, one? What was the title of the, the one? Ugly Love. The Ugly Love. Mm-hmm. When did you write it? Um, twenty eighteen, and it just came to me. I sat down one day and started writing, and um, it just flowed. Really? What's the kind of the premise of it? Um, it's just all about, um, I start at the end of the marriage because that's when things are the most dramatic. Yeah. And I was waking up having panic attacks and Aww. just my body was just shutting down. Um, so I start with things like that. And I just talk about, I have it here, like some of the things the narcissist would say to me, like, you know, I want you to be a junior league woman during the day and a hooker in the bedroom at night. <laughs> Okay, uh, love you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Men, my, you know, it's funny. Like I, I, I understand men. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I am a guy, but I would never say that. But you don't say that. See, narcissists have no filter, right? right. So, and they, they, and they think they're right. They're right about everything. So they're yeah. going to say, right. That's fascinating. No Isn't that terrible? Well, I know one so. thing about narcissists that I've that I've witnessed even firsthand as as I'm married now, but when I was single and dating, uh, and even in previous relationships, narcissists do not like to say sorry. No, no. Or they say it like this. Always talk about the narcissistic apology. I'm sorry, but you push my buttons. Right. They flip it back on you. Or they say something like, well, I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) I had an encounter with someone that (laughs) probably, yeah, probably had some narcissistic tendencies and I remember, you know, when you, when you're in a relationship, you, you, you know, you, you can share, or you should be able to share like grievances or things like, you know, Hey, I don't, I don't like when you do that. It makes me feel uh, like you don't trust me, whatever, whatever, the, right. whatever it might be. And for me, it was when we're in the car, 
And if I'm driving and I'm a good driver, I've only been in one accident. I'm 54 years old. I've only been in one accident my entire life. And it was right after my divorce, which I, that's why. And it was a three, three mile, right. Three yeah. mile an hour wreck. But anyway, I have to be honest. I've been in one accident my entire life. And so I'm a good driver. I've, you know, I've, I get places <laughs> all the time, you know, and I, I get there on time. Anyway, this person uh, would constantly tell me where to go and, and, you know, and I'd pull into a parking lot. They'd tell me where to park. They'd, they were always just bossy. And I remember telling the person, I said, Hey, listen, like I'm good uh, on, like, I know, I know where we're going and yeah, maybe I'll miss a turn here and there, but it's like, you know, I, it makes me feel like you're, you're not trusting me. I, I just would rather you just be in the car with me. Let's just talk. Let's just hang out. I'm driving. Just, just let it be, you know? And because anytime that, you know, she would bring a grievance to me, I would say, you know what? You're right. I, I do that. And, and I'll, I'll work on not doing that anymore. Right. right. End right. of story. That's, that's it. Well, when I did this, I remember going, this seems fucked up because, well, why do you feel that way? It shouldn't bother you that I'm giving you directions. It shouldn't. And all of a sudden it, it flipped. It's like, when you have a problem with me, I've got to change. When I have a problem with you, I still got to change. Like it's yeah. still me. That's a narcissistic trait, I should say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's how narcissists operate. Right. Yeah. It's always it's all your fault. Right. It's always responsibility for anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Somehow, some way they can, they can flip it and turn it back on you. And yeah, and you're giggling because it's like, it's, it's so, it's so subtle because then you go, you know, then I was like, well, yeah, what is wrong with it? Why don't, why don't I like when, I, when I'm given directions in the car, but then after a while, I'm like, it doesn't fucking but matter. It it, the, what it matters matter. is it's, I don't like it. You don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the that end of the day, laugh. I'm laughing because I remember um, we were headed down to Waco from Dallas, which is about an hour and a half drive. When this is my son was little, he's still in a booster seat and it's Thanksgiving day and traffic is bumper to bumper. And my ex drove a million miles an hour, just bat out of hell. And we had an accident. And we rear-ended somebody, somebody rear-ended us. And about an hour later, you know, I just made sure my son's okay. We had to get the car towed and we got to, to um, the mother-in-law's house and things were fine then. But later my ex looked at me and I said, you know, I said, we probably both should really work on driving so fast because that's what we, we both do. And he goes, the only reason I had that wreck was because I knew you didn't want to go to Waco for Thanksgiving and I was trying to hurry up and get there and get home. So it's all my fault. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was in the passenger seat, you know, like watching videos on my phone, but it was all my fault. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. So I've, oh, there's some other things I really want to talk to you about. This is I knew we were going to have a good conversation when we chatted briefly earlier. Um, so dating as a divorced woman in your are you in your 50s, too? Yes. OK, so. I'm 52. I don't mind saying that. Okay, yeah. I try to take care well, you of myself. Look, yeah, you look great look for 52. 52 yeah, you don't You don't look 52. And just so, so you know, my son and his um, buddies are walking in. Oh, I'm doing a podcast, cool. buddy. <laughs> they, they're all baseball players, basketball players. Like, what's up? Where's hey, what's food? up, dude? What's up? Where's the food? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, anyway. Yeah, I play yeah, baseball. it's a shit show. Yeah. Let's talk about dating. Can I just say that? Yeah. It's a shit show. Well, so, I don't know. I'm curious. I want to say a couple things, and I want you to respond. Okay. When I, when I went through my divorce, I'll be honest, I, and this is where my ego comes in. I remember thinking, you know, I'm a decent looking guy. Um, you know, I got my shit together. I got a good job, good career. Uh, I mean, I'm not a millionaire, but I mean, you know, I make a living, right? I make a living. 
Right. And and so honestly, statements. yeah, I was yeah. feeling good about myself. You know, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to slay it out there. <laughs> <laughs> we all think that. Don't we? And then I get out there and what I realized on one hand, I mean, some of my married friends, you know, they think I was slaying it just because of I was I got into the hookup culture for a while. You know, I was like not I think a lot of men do that because you've been with one woman for so long or you haven't had sex in so long because the marriage was bad. You know, that's just my take on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt for me. It was just that I was in a, a, a monogamous relationship for 25 years. And at the end, you know, I was just when we got divorced, I'm like. I want to sow my wild oats. I want to just do whatever I want. Plus yeah, I was, I, I was in therapy. Yeah. I was yeah. in therapy. So I knew that I was not ready for a committed relationship just yet. I knew I would just completely mess that up. So I was very honest. Every time I went on a date, I said, Hey, listen, I'm into just casual dating, uh, you know, having fun. If you're down for that, let's hang out. If not totally cool. I respect whatever, you know, like I just want to be sure. very honest. And I had a great time. I had a really good time. And that lasted about two and a half, almost three years. And then finally I was like, okay, this is not what I want. This Long is term. no, yeah. no, it was just empty. And, and as much as people think what it's like to be single, yes, I have some crazy stories, but it, I had sex way less as a single person than I did when I was married, you know, mm -hmm. uh, meaning you know, when you're with someone 24 seven and, and, and my, you know, my ex, the, the good thing was we actually had a good relationship. Um, we were just completely not compatible and mm -hmm. had married in our early twenties. So, and I was religious at that time. Yeah. So our story is just one of, we should have, I'm glad we, you know, we have two beautiful kids. I do not regret those kids at all. And I don't regret anything. I, I don't believe in regrets. I can't change the past anyway. You can't change the no, past. No, it is what it is. And it was great while it lasted. It just, as we changed, we changed to be polar opposite. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're so extremely opposite. Uh, even my kids have both, you know, told me privately, like, yeah, you and mom are two totally different people. Right. And, and, right. and my wife now, Jessica, they that both my kids love her and mm -hmm. they adore her and they're like dad yeah <laughs> we see it like this is the kind right. of person that you were supposed to be with and and so you know and i'm sure my ex is living her dream too like i think both of us are genuinely uh, happy uh that's so good it's yeah it's a very good thing anyway i say all that to say i had this idea of what dating was going to be like obviously 25 years of being out of it and then going back into it, I was like, right. what the hell? This, like you said, I was like, this is a shit show with a it capital is. S. So anyway, did you do online? What was your experience? What did, um, what did you encounter? I, I have done online. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, this is a candy store, you know, person after person. But then once I found that once you scratch the surface sometimes that it is, not what you thought it was. Yeah. So, and I've had, um, I would say two serious relationships, like where we talk. And I'm kind of losing you in due time. And that's, a, that's not the person for me. Yeah. Are you losing me? I, I was okay. losing you. I was trying to, um, I'm trying. Okay. I was trying to get away from the dogs cause they're about ready to go crazy. Let me back up here. I've sure. got my, um, 
get my car and get away. That's part of being a single mom, as you know. It's, oh, um, absolutely. It's uh, not easy. Okay. I'll just go in the backyard. Love being a single mom sometimes. It's, it's like. <laughs> and how old are your kiddos? Just throwing. I uh, just one. I have one. He's 17. Okay. But half the basketball team is at my house usually. So. Right. Which is fine. And where are you at? I forgot. Did, where do you live now? Like what? I'm in Dallas. I'm in a suburb of Dallas called oh. Coppell. Okay. I love Dallas. Yeah. Dallas yeah. is a lot like Kansas too. City. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Kansas City, by the way. Yeah. So well, if you ever get here, we'll thing. have to go grab coffee. I would love that. I would love that. Um, dating can be. I'm not hearing you at all. Uh, we're having technical difficulties, I guess. I can't, I can't hear you. I'm going to click off. Okay. So you were asking me just like what I think about online dating and I think it's a great way to meet people. And I, um, I think what is the number? Let me think about it. 33% of people who've done online dating have met their person. Oh, really? 30%? Yeah, it's that high really? In different parts of the world. Well, yes. let's put it this way, Laura. I do weddings for a living. That's what I do for a living. Okay. Uh huh. I would say for sure, yeah, 30 to 40%. Because I always ask, how'd you guys meet? Yeah. 30 to 40% of my couples are, yeah, hinge, bumble, tender, yeah. match, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a, it is, it's a great avenue to meet people. But I'm going to quote, um, and I should say, not but, and I'm going to also quote a psychiatrist that I know well. He's a friend of mine. And he said the other day, he goes, Laura, if you ever start a podcast on dating since you wrote the book, I want to be your first guest. And I'm like, okay, Dr. Goldman, why? <laughs> and he said, he goes, because I know that the um, most of the people I have met that have done online dating, online dating can turn some of the nicest people into assholes. And I'm like, why do you say that? And he goes, because it, it's always like the grass is greener. I want to date her, but oh, the grass is greener. I want to date him, but I want somebody a little taller, a little more handsome. It's just like squirrel, shiny thing. Yeah. And the, the way that people move on is they ghost you or, you know, they just stop communication. And for some people, they're very sensitive. Yeah. Like me, it hurts your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, for guys. <sighs> For guys, at least my experience, because I was okay. on it, I was on and off, on and off online. Yeah, I, that's that's the way I am, and I haven't been on in six months. Yeah, it, yeah. Matter of fact, I met my wife. I got off of it. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm actually ready mm -hmm. to be in a committed relationship, and I want to. I want this to be more organic. And I met my now wife while I was on a date, actually, with another woman. But it was just a date, like it was a first date. Yeah. And yeah. and. I knew right in at, as the date was going on, I was like, yeah, this is not like, this is just going to be a fun date. This isn't, yeah, my, this isn't this my isn't. person. Right. Yeah. But while I was on the date with her, I, uh, met my now wife and we chit chatted before we ever dated for about eight months, actually through social media and before we ever actually went out. But anyway, that's another story. But I say that to say for guys, I got, you know, prostitution, prostitutes, prostitutes. I'm not saying that word right. Uh, influencers, only fans, girls. 
I mean, you name it. The, the, I don't know how many, and then fake bots. And then you'll, you'll be blown away by this. I might be revealing this for the very first time on my podcast. I I went on a, I went on a date with this woman or I'm, you know, we swiped whatever and something about her profile. I just was a little unsure of, but then when she agreed to meet me for coffee, cause that's what I always did. Like, let's just meet for coffee. Let's just oh, see. I've learned that in and out. Yeah. Man. Let's in just, yeah. Let, real, yeah. <laughs> low, low, you know, low financial investment. Just like, let's just hang out and see if this is worthy of investing in. Right. So, which I find fascinating when women are like, no, I only do dinner. It's like, woman, I don't even know you yet. Like, I'm not taking you to dinner for a hundred bucks. Uh, well, now, if I men that do that too, and they're like, um, I, I just want to, I really want to take you to dinner. I'm like, I'm not spending two hours right? with you and I don't know you. Yeah. That could no, be torturous. Not. It could be torturous. Time, yes. It could be torturous. It yeah. has been torturous in the past. Yeah. And, it, and my time is valuable. Like yours. Absolutely. Especially with, this is the last year my son's at home. Do yeah. I want to hang out with him or do I want to go out on a horrible date? Right. So. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I went on this coffee date. Sure enough, what, what was pictured is what came in. And uh, I'm this is going to blow your mind, Laura. So I'm sitting there and come to find out she works in a call center with a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. She's, she's on every app that's available and across the country and and all of the call center are the same beautiful women that have accounts all of the they make money basically scamming guys and the reason here's what's so wild i was very flattered by this because i was like why are you meeting me she goes, well, she goes, I thought you were actually really hot. <laughs> and I was like, she's like your tattoos and you know different things that she, she just liked about me. And when she found out, she's like, this dude's real and he's really in Kansas city. And she goes, so am I, she goes, I will, I'm going to meet this dude. And, Aww. and it was, yeah, it was very sweet. And we met and we, we had a good time. And I was so shocked when she revealed all that. And she said, you know, you're a, you're a relationship coach. She goes, I felt like I just needed to be fully honest with you. She goes, this is what I do for a job. She goes, this is my career. So they scam men. How? By scam. Like- well, not scam. them like, like my cars broke down. Send me money, not scam, 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 but still a scam. They, they have a, a dating package that they try oh. to sell guys and, oh. or matchmaking services. They try to upsell them, say, Hey, you're not having any luck on the apps. We have, a program that you can get in today for the minimal price of four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Isn't that wild? Like that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and guys are gullible because you know we're visual, right? And so this was the, you know a beautiful young woman, and obviously I swiped right on her, just like I'm sure a million other guys did. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating. So you know, and a lot of my clients have not had a lot of success online. And I told, I've told all of them, I've said millions of times, guys, one, there's, there's so many fake profiles. It, it's almost oh, it's becomes a second awful. job. You just got to swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah. So did you have it's, success in any of them with any of them? Um, I did. I had success with Bumble. That's where I met the two men that I had a serious relationship with. And one of the guys is just a really good guy. He had 
some health problems that were controllable. And um, he had some seizures on me. He had diabetes and didn't control his blood sugar. And he had some seizures on me. And one night I had to call 911. Oh, and that scared Lord. me to death because Carson was little. Well, I say little. He was like 11. Right. And I didn't want Carson to come home and find him dead. Right, right, right. Because right. if I wouldn't have been there, he probably would have passed away. Wow. So. That's yeah, too much. It, and I, I might sound like a... Or whatever here, but there was one of my, my, what do they call it? The good negotiables, non-negotiables, you know, things I'm willing to deal with things I'm not willing to deal with. And, and one thing that I just, I just couldn't in a new budding relationship was, was something like that. Like I, yeah, I, I yeah. can't, and, and, and I, yeah, I just was like, I, I can't deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. Right. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm a real health nut. You know, I believe in, I, of course I don't get to the gym near enough nowadays lately, it seems like, but I, you know, I like to eat healthy and eat clean. I don't drink a lot oh, just because too. of the health reasons. Um, I gotcha. you know, so it, it's like, I, and I thank God, knock on wood, you know, I don't, I don't take any medications, you know, I'm very, very lucky, you know, that right. I've been able to be the age that I am and, and not have right. to take, take medications. So the thought of being with someone that is propped up by medications. I just, uh, it was, yeah. I, I couldn't deal with that. And I was thinking more, it's, um, you have a medication. He was on insulin because type one diabetic has to have, they don't make any insulin. My thought was you don't wear the monitor that tells you when you're going to get that low and literally alarms. Yeah. 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 And secondly, you don't regulate your insulin pump. I mean, there's so many ways and I know it's sometimes it's a guessing game on what you eat, how much activity you've had, but I felt like there wasn't any concern to care for himself. I think he, I think he'd gone through a bad divorce and I think he was in that period of healing and self-hate. Yeah. So, but great guy. I mean, suit, just wonderful person. Yeah. Still friends today. Uh, not really. Yeah. He's moved on. Oh, got you. And he was really hurt. Yeah. We tried yeah. it for a second time and I had that really happen. Hurt. I got some really, you know, it's in this process. I still have, as a matter of fact, my co-host of the show that I do a lot of podcasts with her name's Pammy. Uh, Pammy mm -hmm. and I met on Bumble and we went to coffee like what I did. Yeah. And just when we got to coffee, uh, it was just an instant. It was like friendship. I just felt this. I was like, man, I feel like we're going to be each other's lives forever. Like we're going to be good friends. And we are very close friends. That's very, awesome. very, yeah. She's just a precious human. Uh, she's seeing someone now, and yeah. Matter of fact, she was, uh, she was like my, my best, you know, one of my bridal party. One of my bride, yeah. you know, uh, what did I call? We called it King's Court and Queen's Court. That's awesome. And so that? she was one of my King's Court. And uh, matter of fact, I had two, two of two. There's two women. I forgot that. So two of the, I had seven, uh, groomsmen or Kings court yeah, and yeah. two of them were women. Both of them. I met on a dating app. <laughs> See, Cause sometimes you find great friends. On Absolutely. Though yeah. they're so dear friends of mine. Matter of fact, one of them is we call, she's my walking buddy, Kathy. And we go walking at least, well, we used to go at least three times a week, uh, right. walking together. And ever since, um, uh, getting married and, and now she's dating someone too. It's, it's less frequent, yeah. but you know, I just talked to her yesterday. So. Yeah. I have a, a best friend who's a, a man, but we met 
when we were dropping our kids off at the church nursery nursery 17 years ago, he was married to a narcissist and so was I. Yeah. And we both been through a divorce and he just got married. And Aww. it was awesome. So, That's very cool. Yeah. But I want to say, I admire you for, I don't know who said, let's be friends or if you both figured it out or sticking to that or respecting each other's wishes or whoever's wishes those were, because I've got a couple of guy friends that I wish I could hang out with, but every time they try to take it a step further and I I don't feel that for them. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, uh, I, that's the big, that's a, uh, Sally met Harry or Harry met Sally, right? It's like, can men be friends with women? I think the thing about it was, especially with, with, uh, both of my female or all my female, female friends, in fact, I don't have that. And they're beautiful. They're actually very beautiful and attractive. It's just, I don't have that sexual Kim, that feeling with them. Right. Um, I get it. And because That's I don't, side, it yeah. is, it is easier for me. Right. Um, because you know, like I couldn't have been friends with my wife. <laughs> yeah. I just, well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I really couldn't have been just friends. Let me say that. Like, obviously we're, we are friends. Uh, that would have been really difficult it to just be yeah. her friend because I was so turned on by her. It would have been a constant battle of we have a glass of wine and now I'm wanting to get naked with her. Yeah. So, gotcha. so, you know, that it is, you know, people are people, guys are guys, girls are girls, whatever. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've had it go the other way. I've, I've been friends with women that I thought we were just friends and come to find out, you know, they would have slept with me. And right, so, gotcha. and that was interesting, but, um, you know, guys are just so visual. It's hard for guys to be uh, just friends with someone that they're super attracted to. Attracted to. Yeah. yeah. It's not about beauty. I mean, I, like I said, my both my friends, if I showed you pictures, you'd be like, wow, they're beautiful. They're very pretty. I just don't have that sexual thing yeah. with them. So, you're, you know, your friends, the the problem is they they find you so attractive and they and that elicits that sexual feeling towards you. And it makes it hard to just be friends because they want more. Yeah. So I haven't been hanging out with them. Yeah. Now that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. I understand that. Yeah. All right. So, so how, so how long have you been single? And, um, well, I mean, if you, I was, I was in those two relationships for a couple of years each. So, but I've been divorced since 2015. Okay. Since so almost eight years. Almost mm-hmm. eight years. Any mm-hmm. close calls? Like anybody that you were like, this could have worked out in another time at another, like, was there anything like that? Like, um, a, a, like, a, mm. I don't know, like someone you really thought could have been with potential or was it, you just haven't met the person yet? Well, yeah, it was the one I was talking about with diabetes. Right, right, right. Like, we talked about it and we loved each other, Yeah, but I had, I had a little boy to think about. Right. Right. So no dating apps right now. You're just meeting people organically now. Yeah. Yeah. What's the it's difference fun. for you? How, how, how is that? Do you get approached and do you like getting approached at like the oh, grocery store? Approached at all. Yes. The grocery store, the gym. Um, we go out to the lake a lot. My son and I have a wakeboard boat on oh, Lake okay. and he's really good at it. Um, and so I meet some people out there. Yeah. So, and that's fun. It's just a whole new culture. You know, we, it's like, we call ourselves the lake rats. Yeah. It's just a different, you know, sure. different. That's one thing that, yeah, I've had, I've had clients that I'll, I'll tell guys, I'm like, if you find someone attractive at the grocery store, you know, don't be creepy, but like, there's no, I don't, I think any woman would be flattered. 
Um, that yeah, say if hello. Pro- Can I tell you how many like cute guys I have seen there that'll look at me several times? And I'm like, just speak. Yeah. Because I don't want to be the one. Because what if they are married? You right, know, right. I don't want to be the one who goes up and. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I know yeah. that guys have been you know rejected, and that gives them pause and and i always say listen it's not personal like if they're taken they're taken if they're not interested in you so what most likely they're not going to say that to your face they'll make up some excuse or say i have a boyfriend or whatever Um, exactly most people are pretty kind in that way uh I always had good luck at grocery store at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. My friend Mario, he's like, I met my wife in the cantaloupe section. I'm like, I'm not even going there. <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent of of uh, the grocery store. I I would chase women down. Like I I, yeah. I would like I remember one time I drove down, <laughs> I was driving down Main Street here in Kansas City. And I saw this woman come out of this store and, and I looked over and, and she just was cute. You know, I was like, wow, she's a yeah. cutie. And uh, I whipped my car around and I pulled into the <laughs> I pulled into the parking lot and I pulled up not right behind her car, not to block her in. But I pulled up and I just rolled down my window. I said, hey. And, you know, I said, listen, I said, I, this might seem wild. I said, but I was driving by and I just saw you, you know, I'm single. Are you single? And. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, could I have your number? And uh, she's like, yeah. <laughs> she, she walks over and, you know, we exchange. But but also I've, I, I've had no's, you know, I've yeah, had, sure. you, you know, I've had women say, you know, uh, I'm not interested or I'm I'm taken or I'm married or whatever they would say. It never it didn't. It honestly, it did, really didn't phase me because I was like, well, yeah, I mean, so, OK that's yeah. no harm, no foul. I mean, it's like yeah. Babe Ruth hit a lot of home runs, but he also struck out a lot. I mean, you just, you got to, you got to swing. Mm-hmm. You got to swing. You got to swing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when you're happy with yourself and you're living your best life, which is what I'm doing now, it's going to happen. Oh, a hundred percent. I just, you know, maybe I need to finish raising my son and get him out the door in less than a year. Right. Yeah. So I think probably that, one of the biggest things that I just personally, what I see as a important factor in being in a healthy relationship is what you just said, being healthy, mm-hmm. healthy yourself. Oh yeah. Um, and, and finding then of course, someone else who's also healthy and together uh, being able to, to really build a really healthy uh, relationship. So absolutely. And I'm glad that you sounds like you have some male clients. I'm glad that you do because I don't, from what I see when I was doing coaching for a while and then just got too busy, um, that more women were reaching out for yeah. help than I did have some male clients who were fantastic, amazing men. And both yeah. of them are married now. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Um, because they healed from all the narcissistic abuse and yeah. got out there. And one of them, it was the first date. He goes, should I ask her for coffee? I'm like, ask her for coffee. And the next thing I know, six months later, they're married and they've been married several years. So, you know, one thing that Laura I've seen and, and, and I'm, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Like I said, we'll have to do more podcasts together. Yeah. I'd love to, but I I've it's, it it seems like only men are narcissists or at least uh, I don't mean this literally. I just mean that seem from women are always calling men narcissistic. And I just love that you 
clearly are saying no both men and no. women can be narcissists and i just love that because um i've you know and, and i have a lot of women clients and you know all of them is have been married to a narcissist and i'm like really like all six of your husbands no, were narcissists yeah you know no they haven't <laughs> he may have been a jerk right right but no i mean what we talked about the scale five of the nine i mean no, not all of them are narcissists. They may have had some of the traits and were just jerks. Yeah. Because like a cheater is not necessarily a narcissist, right? Right. But a lot of narcissists do cheat. Yes. So it's just, yeah, yeah. It uh, uh, Only 6% is what the American Psychological Association says are narcissists. I think the number is a little bit bigger because those are people who've dragged their spouse, men and women in to be diagnosed. Um, so the number is probably a little bit bigger, but I don't think it's like 20%. Right. You know, right. I don't, I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I actually had someone on my podcast and, and she had been married multiple times and, and she was just talking about how, you know, all, all of them were narcissists and all this stuff. And I actually had to shut the podcast off and just yeah. talk to her and say, listen, really like everybody you've ever dated is a narcissist. And I realize you can get into a pattern and I get that. Like, you know, sometimes abusive people will, or people will always choose the abusive person or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I was just like, you know, statistically that's not even really possible. You know, not everybody is a narcissist just because like you said, because they have a narcissistic trait. Yeah. Maybe he was an asshole, you know, maybe he right. was a dick, uh, but that doesn't mean he was a, a, a an actual narcissist. Right. Um, so that's just neat for me to hear because as a guy, it's it's anytime I come across narcissistic material, mm -hmm. it, it's it seems like it's always the woman calling the man narcissistic. And and I've encountered with sure. some of my men clients that no, in fact, they were married to the narcissist. You know, she was oh, the believe, narcissist. I, I believe that because I've met, met some female narcissists. And then I coached some men who were married to seem clearly from their stories and their counseling, because I, I'm the next step after counseling, right? You need to go through the cognitive part and, and get rid of all that crap and junk. And, and learn your patterns. And then you come to me and then I help them with a plan to finish healing yeah. and a plan to live their best life. Yeah. Well, give me some yeah. highlights. I know uh, we don't, I know you don't have all day. What? Yeah. I need you, to probably go in just a couple of minutes. Okay, actually, cool. So. Well, let, let's finish up here then. What, what would be your words of wisdom to someone who is either in a narcissistic relationship, let's just say dating, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or coming, have just recently come out of a narcissistic relationship, a marriage, what would be your wisdom? What would you say for them that would be helpful for them to do is like kind of a next steps? Well, someone who's dating a narcissist, it's not going to go anywhere and you're just going to get hurt over and over. And I know it's hard, but I would rip off the bandaid and get out Yeah, you, because you'll go through more pain later than you'll go through now ripping yeah. the bandaid off. Yeah. Every month or week or year you put on top of that relationship thinking that it's going to go somewhere, it's just going to make the pain that much worse. Yeah. Narcissists don't change. Yeah. No, they don't. And then what about mm -hmm. someone just got out of a, a they just got out of a marriage, they were in mm -hmm. with a narcissist. With a narcissist? First of all, pat yourself on the back and celebrate that you had the strength to do it. And most people in relationships with a narcissist do because 
they've been through hell in that relationship. And they're like, but I'm not strong enough. Yes, you are. Look what you survived. There are some people who can get their head off the pillow every morning going through what you've been through. So no, if you are in it, you can survive. You can get out and survive and live a great life. Yeah. I mean, I was a shell of a person when I left and I survived. Yeah. He had taken everything from me. Aww. So yeah. And well, they, they can do it. And if you're, you feel like you're stuck in it, you've got kids, there's money involved. Maybe you don't work anymore. And I'm talking to the women here or vice versa. I knew a stay at home dad that um, had to do this. Do one thing a day to prepare yourself to leave. Maybe Monday, just call the divorce attorney's office and ask a question about a consultation. Yeah. Tuesday, take out $20 from the bank and hide it somewhere. Yeah. You know, start just little bit by little bit because you don't have to make a decision today, but you will be ready one day and then you can pull the trigger. Yeah. All right. Give us, give us your social media stuff so that we can stay hooked up with you, your book titles again. Yeah. Um, book titles, Ugly Love, A Survivor Story of Narcissistic Abuse, and then The New Truth About Dating. Um, and then you can find all of this at lauracaranza.com, C-H-A-R-A-N-Z-A. Awesome. So yeah, you can find everything. You sign up for my email list. Um, I took a couple of years off from doing this to help my kiddo I had eye surgery, all of that. And life happens, right? And now I'm back. So I'm really excited about jump starting this and I can't wait to be on your podcast. Yeah, no, You're I'm excited. Awesome. Oh, well, thank You're you. You're a good guy. Oh, uh, well, thank You're you. I, I want to do a selfie with you and I'm going to sign off of here. Thank you everybody for joining us. And I will definitely have Laura back on. Peace out, everybody. All right. So the. I have no makeup on, but that's.